0: Our scripture today is Psalm 32, 1 through 11. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and who, in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up by the heat of the summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like the horse or a mule without understanding, which he must be curved with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Um, how would you, how would you describe a person who's living the good life? Uh, somebody who they've got a full, thriving life. Just imagine them in your mind. What's this person have that distinguishes them from other people? What's this person have that maybe you don't have? What is it that sets them apart from from an otherwise unfulfilled, undesirable life? Maybe we could ask the question differently. What do you think will make your life better this morning? What do you think would make you thrive? What <clears throat> what do you think would make you flourish right now? That is the question that David wants us to be thinking about when we open up this psalm. What's the good life look like? Uh, David, he he starts this psalm as Hannah read it saying, Blessed is the one who dot dot dot. Uh, now, the word that we translate is blessed can actually come from one of two different Hebrew words that, that means slightly different things. So the first word that we translate as blessed is talking from the point of view of God looking down on a person and, and putting his favor, his goodness, his blessing down onto that person. The second word that we translate as blessed isn't talking from the point of view of God down onto a person, but but from one person out to another person. It's you looking out at, at somebody else and describing what you see in them that's given them this full, this thriving life. And that is the word that David start Psalm 32 with. David, he, he's watching somebody who's got, well, they got what we all want. They've got this, this life that we all want. They're living this full, content, non-boring life who's got something that, that David is essentially saying we should all be envious of. So, what is it? Forgiveness. Uh, this person, who's actually David himself, has been forgiven. Forgiven by a God who abounds in mercy. Forgiven by a God who Isaiah 30 says in the gospel waits not to be impatient with us, irritated with us, or critical at us, but gracious to us. David's been forgiven, and and the result is, well, he's stumbled into his best life now. He's living the good life that, that I know you all want this morning. And so here's the best part. David wants to share that life with us today. Uh, David was a—he was a broken king who needed forgiveness, and who's writing this psalm based off of working off of the assumption that we are also broken people who need forgiveness. Oh, that like David, we are hurt people who hurt other people. Who wrestle with guilt and shame that, that we can't always just tune out. Who have rooms in our hearts that, that we close off to God and other people because we don't want them to see what's behind that door. And so David writes this psalm because he wants us like him, to come alive to God's generous mercy to us in Jesus, to live the good life that David has discovered is really the forgiven life. And so to help us get there, he gives us three things, three things that we're going to look at in this psalm this morning. He gives us a story, a friend, and then a promise. So first, David gives us a story, his own story. And David starts his story by telling us what he felt. Uh, David, if you look in verse 3, he's groaning, he's weighed down, wasting away. All because, as he says, he's been silent. Uh, David has sin in his life. We don't exactly know what, uh, but we do know what he's thinking in the midst of it. David is thinking something along these lines. God, if you really knew this about me, you'd reject me. When really the truth is in the gospel, there is nobody who knows us more and loves us most than God. But that is the reality, that is the insanity that our sin takes us to, thinking what David thought. I know how that feels. And so David starts his story By essentially saying, I want to tell you guys what it felt like to be me during a time when I was hiding, when I was silent, when I was trying to cover up, even to myself, the reality of just how far I had wandered away from life with a good and gracious God. David says, I I groaned, meaning he had this restlessness in his heart because of what he was holding on to. He said, my bones felt like they were wasting away, meaning spiritually he he felt weak. And he said, there was this heavy hand laying on me, meaning that there was this nagging conscience weighing on him that just wouldn't let him go. And so what did David do? He uncovered it all. Uh, A couple of years ago at at the church that I used to be a pastor at, one day our toilet stopped working, and so we called a plumber uh, to come over and look at it, and the the plumber was working on it for a while, and eventually he came over to my office, and he said, do you have any roach spray? Uh, And I said, yeah, I do, why, what's going on? And he said, well, I think you have a roach nest under your toilet, So I go and I find this bottle of roach spray, and uh, we are now standing in this tiny bathroom, and uh, I'm in the doorway, and he's right over the toilet, and he says, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to uncover the toilet, and when I do, just start spraying. And so he, he, he uncovers this toilet, and I am not exaggerating. A hundred roaches just come spewing out of under this toilet, and so I just start spraying i don 't even aim i don 't even look just psh, spraying everywhere i 'm stomping on roaches i 'm slipping on dead roach carcasses under my feet. I mean, it was a bloodbath by the time we got done. it just looked like a crime scene in there and uh, this this plumber who had been doing this for a long time, even came by my office afterwards. he was like i 've never seen anything like that before. That was wild. Now, I had just used that bathroom that morning, (laughs) completely unaware uh, that as I did, I was standing atop a roach nest. Well, David, David is saying that you and I are all doing life atop a roach nest called the human heart. That while we still have the image of God in us, and if you're a Christian, you have the spirit of God in you, we are all still doing life, often completely unaware, atop this tangled nest in us of disordered desires and misplaced loves, of a heart that David says is still full of sin, iniquity, and transgression. And so David's saying, here's what I finally did. I uncovered it. I I, I pulled the lid off, and I let it all out. And when I did, here's what God did. He covered it forever in Jesus. You see, this is the assurance that God gives to anyone today who, like David, who wants to break the silence and bring their sin into the light of God's grace to you in the gospel. When we uncover our sin, God once and for all covers it in the blood of his own son, meeting us in that place of redemptive honesty, not counting our sins against us because on the cross he already counted them against Jesus for us so that now he will never treat us as our sins deserve but only treat us as his perfect son deserves. Guys, there there is no God so eager to forgive as the God of the Bible, the God who the Apostle Paul calls rich in mercy, rich, not cautious, not frugal, not thrifty, no lavish, extravagant, over the top, who in the gospel is offering us today a forgiveness with no fine print and no cash limit. A forgiveness that that isn't just for for small slip-ups and respectable sins, but no, is real grace for real sinners like you and me who really need Jesus this morning. A forgiveness that's safe for anyone this morning who, like David, is tired of hiding and yet is so afraid of being found. You see, David's whole story was just one big discovery, that there is no safer place in the entire universe for a broken sinner than the heart of God in the gospel, who when we break the silence, when we uncover our sin, when when we pull off the lid and let it all out, we are embraced by a God who says, you are so safe in my love for you that for me to now ever again treat you as your sins deserve, my son Jesus would have to be tossed out of heaven and buried back into the ground. So David's, he's stumbled across the good life. He's found it. He's found what we all want a full life that's the forgiven life. And he's writing this psalm because he wants to share that with us today. And so he gives us a story. And then second, he gives us a friend. In verse six, uh, David says what what he wants us to now do with his story. Now that we've heard it, here's, here's what he wants us to do with it. He says, therefore, let everyone who's godly Offer prayer to you, God, at the time when you may be found. Pray, David says. Go to God. Confess your sins to him. Our need is so great. God's grace is so much greater. Don't wait. Don't think it over. David's saying, confess today, Now. Now, now confessing our sins, this doesn't mean that that we're informing God uh, or updating God about anything in our lives. No, it it simply means that we're agreeing with God, agreeing with him about our sin, about the particular places in our lives where, where we have believed the lie that Jesus isn't enough for us anymore. But it's not just that. Because of the gospel, confessing our sins also means agreeing with God about his richness and mercy. It means not just confessing our specific sins, but also, but also agreeing about God's sufficient grace. It means starting our confession off by agreeing you are the God who, when I uncover my sin, covers it forever in Jesus. And so here is where I have wandered off from life with you. David is saying, confess your sins. But not just by yourself. Now confess them to someone else. Because that's what David's doing. Uh, The Psalms... The Psalms were what Israel prayed and sang when they all got together. Meaning David, he's not just writing his own story here of sin and forgiveness in some private journal of his that'll just be sold in an estate sale when he dies. No, David, he's outing himself publicly (laughs) to all of Israel and to you and me here today. David's saying, don't just confess your sin in, in the quiet of your own heart but in the context of a loving community. Because when you do, it's what makes this forgiveness finally come alive. It's what hits the detonator on it and makes it explode in your hearts. You see, when we confess our sin on our own, we we are really, truly, fully forgiven in Jesus. But it feels kind of hypothetical what if it could become real? What if you could feel the full weight and impact of God's richness and mercy to you in Jesus? Well, David's saying we can. But it takes two of us. We need a friend Someone with whom we can be freed from having to try to micromanage our personal reputation, instead own and confess our sin in front of them, which is hard. Uh, Joe Paterno, was the, he was the football coach at Penn State. He spent most of his career absolutely adored by his fans until the end of his career when, it, when a tragic scandal came out about a coach and a culture in their program that just completely tore it apart. And and as this story started to unravel in the news, I mean, it was everywhere, It, it started to become clear that Paterno shared some sort of responsibility in all of this. And suddenly, the most adored coach in college football got fired over the phone. And the day after he did, his son, said that he could hear his dad one day, in the next room, weeping, saying, my name, my name, I spent my whole life trying to make it count for something, trying to make it mean something, and now it's all gone. Well, when we confess our sin to someone, when, when we uncover it to a friend, we experience in that moment, a, a, at, a, at a tiny micro level, what Paterno was feeling in that moment, at a macro level. Our, our reputation, our, our, our name in that moment, it, it, takes, it takes a little bit of a hit, and we feel it. But as that happens, it is not only humbling us, but it is liberating us. Because when we take that leap, when we confess to a safe, trusted friend, I'm not talking about what what some of us have come to know about an accountability partner. I'm I'm talking about a friend who will hear our brokenness, who will focus on our heart, and who will speak Jesus back to us. When we tell them, hear Here is specifically where I have wandered off from life with a good and gracious God. We are acting on our forgiveness. We are in that moment taking a step out in faith in the gospel. We are are in that moment activating in us the incredibly good news that, that I don't live or die in Jesus based on my personal reputation, but Jesus' perfect righteousness That I don't have to hide or pretend, but instead I can be honest and known. Because I'm not spending a life trying to make my name mean something, but simply enjoying a life of Jesus having made his name mean something on my behalf. And when we do that, it opens up our hearts to feel the full impact of God's rich mercy to us in jesus it takes what would otherwise maybe just feel like hypothetical forgiveness and makes it real so david he he's writing this psalm because he's he's found the good life which is the forgiven life and david he wants to share that with us today And so to do that, he's given us a story, a friend, and now lastly, a promise. Um, Verses 10 through 11, David gives us this beautiful promise of what repentance, of what breaking the silence on our sin and bringing it to God who loves to forgive us in Jesus, what, what that will ultimately lead to. He says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. So be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in hearts. Now throughout this psalm, we, we've walked alongside David in, in his own personal process of repentance. One that's gone from silence to openness, from wandering to rest. And here it finally ends. In joy. Here is what David promises to anyone today who, like him, is willing to uncover their sin in need before a God rich in mercy in Jesus. Joy. Joy is what David, he's actually commanding here should be the result of our repentance. Be glad, rejoice, shout at the top of your lungs. This is the shameless joy of being forgiven, of being an object of God's affection, of our sins not being counted against us because God in love counted them against Jesus for us. David is saying our confession and repentance will ultimately bring us to this place of uninhibited, infectious joy because I have uncovered the worst about me and God the Father didn't turn me away in that moment but only pulled me in tighter. Joy is what David's saying is promising here. Breaking the silence on our sin will ultimately lead to which means, if when we confess and we repent, we don't ultimately end up here. we don't ultimately end up in joy. We've actually been doing something else. You see, our hearts uh, will naturally, uh, instead of repentance, settle for what's something, uh, something that's called penance. Uh, Penance is this, penance is me feeling bad about my sin, uh, climbing this ladder of shame and self-contempt to God, and making promises to him that I'll do better this time. Uh, Now, now is that going to make anybody want to join this parade of uninhibited joy that David's describing here in verse 11? No, no. No, the repentance that David is talking about here in Psalm 32, confession that is shaped by the gospel, actually doesn't even start with us. It starts with God, who in his kindness pursues us. That was that heavy hand weighing on David. Invites us to Honestly, open that door to the room in our heart that we've closed off to Him. Collapse onto Jesus there and not make promises to God, but instead trust again in God's promises that He alone can keep to forgive us and renew us in Jesus. That will bring you joy. Because confession, repentance, the type that David's talking about here, it's ultimately about me getting more of Jesus. And that's why David can promise it will bring us joy. Not just because we've been forgiven, but because the the net result of all of it is because I have gotten more of Jesus. And what could be better than that? Uh, Jack Miller, who was a pastor and, and a missionary, he was once writing a letter to a younger Christian, and he essentially told them this. Don't worry about chasing after these experiences in your life of confession and repentance. Just go after Jesus. Because if you get him, you'll get the rest of that thrown in too. Because Jesus is ultimately what all of those things are all about. You see, when we uncover our sin, when we break the silence on what's really going on in our hearts before a God who is spring-loaded, ready to forgive us in the gospel, we get overcome with joy because ultimately, we got more of Jesus, which is really what the good life is. Not just being forgiven, but having Jesus and you can have them today. Let's pray. Father, you are the God who is rich in mercy, who is eager to forgive in Jesus. We ask that today you would take David's story and make it our story. Holy Spirit, free us this morning to uncover our sin, maybe for the very first time, in the presence of a God eager to forgive so that we can experience just how much God has covered it forever in Jesus. Amen.